I want to um, share with you some of the things I've learned over the years in relation to prayers. I think anyone that's a Christian that's watching this would, would have to be honest and say, yes, I've had prayers that were not answered. And so I need to get rid of some um, reasons right off the bat that I'm not going to talk about, but some prayers that are being prayed are not God's will. So he does what he does with us for the sake of his kingdom. But whatever's good for his kingdom is always the best for us in the long run. It may not seem like that at the beginning. But he is a God of faithfulness and justice. And so when he answers prayers in his timing, we may not think it's the right timing, but it will be his right timing. But there's other things that hinder our prayers from being, and so I want to focus on our responsibility to do things to get prayers answered. I have spoken before um, in relation to this. In, in Psalm 66, there's a verse in there that says, he doesn't hear us if there's sin in our lives. And again, in Isaiah 59, he says much the same thing through the prophet Isaiah. I don't want to dwell on those at this time because I have spoken about those two verses before, but Isaiah 66, and no, pardon me, Psalm 66 and Isaiah 59. If you want to go to those chapters and read them, you'll see them there. The things that I want to talk about are more about myself personally, and hopefully you personally, you will see that we need to adjust some of our thinking, our attitudes in order for our prayers to be answered. And so in light of what I've just said a minute ago, I need to focus on these other things. And so if you'll bear with me, I have worked through a lot of these things myself. I had to come to, come to um, a, a decision about things, about what was wrong and what was, was causing me not to be positioned correctly in order for the, word, the Lord to hear me. And so this is the things I've been working on. I'm not perfect at it yet. I trust you would admit the same thing, even though God can hardly wait to answer your prayers. And so we're looking forward to saying what God would say here. The word of God, of course, is the foundation I want to build on. It's not my experiences, although I do talk about my experiences sometime. It's not what I think. Uh, it's not what I want God to look like. It's not me trying to form his nature, his character. It's simply what he says in his word. He does all those things in his word. I simply have chosen to agree with them. And so let's look, first of all, at some of the things that Jesus talked about. First of all, in Matthew 17, a man brought his boy to the disciples and asked them to, to deal with a demonic problem the son had. Well, the disciples did what they could do, and nothing really happened. And so 
the man brought the boy to Jesus and asked him to cast the demon out. He said, I asked your disciples to do it, and they couldn't do it. So Jesus took the boy, cast the demon out, and then he said to the, to the disciples in verse 20 of Matthew 17, because you have so little faith, I'm not going to read the rest of the birth. I tell you the truth, he says. But this thing of faith is very important in getting our prayers answered. There's an attitude in the kingdom of God that we need to keep in the back of our minds. If God hasn't ordered something, he's not responsible to do it. And that's very key because there is a passage of Scripture, I won't be going to it, but Jesus said, if you say to this mountain to be removed, you can have it cast in the sea if you see the small of it as a mustard seed. But to see the truth of God's kingdom is, if God hasn't said that he wants that mountain moved, it's not going to happen. My understanding is when Moses divided the sea so the children of Israel could go through. And 40 years later, when Joshua divided the Jordan so the people could go into the promised land, each time it was God's will that that would be done to get them where they're supposed to be. And so I trust I'm right in everything. There is times when maybe we can intercede, plead with God to do something, and there have been times, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah is one example, where God changed his mind and did not bring disaster on Judah because Hezekiah had pleaded with the Lord and the Lord heard his prayer and it said he changed his mind. He, re he recanted from the judgment that he said he was bringing. So there have been times, but I want you to understand that if I want my prayers answered, I should really know, is, is this God's will or is it just something I want so that my life will be easier, my life will be more convenient, I can enjoy, I can be happy, and so whatever. So when Jesus said to the disciples, you have little faith, that's why you couldn't do that. It's God's will that demons would be driven out of people all the way through the New Testament. That is a standard. Jesus drove them out constantly. Tells us the end of Mark, believers will do this. He never said there'd be a deadline when they didn't do it anymore. He said believers would do it. And until Jesus returns in 1 Peter 13, the love chapter, until Jesus returns when the perfect thing has come, it says in the Bible. And Jesus is that perfect thing, the perfect lamb. That, that scripture is not talking about the Bible. It's talking about Jesus. When he comes, then we won't need this stuff anymore, the gifts of the Spirit, knowledge, and so on. And so when Jesus said to the disciples, you have a little faith, I can't help but remember one time, it's a number of years back, somebody was asking about prayer. Why wasn't this person um, I believe it was healed. And I said, well, maybe it's because when you prayed for that person, you didn't have enough faith. And I was basic in on a word like this. But that person got very upset with me. And I'm sure 
with her reactions, she was defensive. And so therefore, she wasn't humble enough to receive a word like I assume the disciples received because they didn't object to what Jesus said. They weren't offended by it. And so it's important that we realize sometimes people want to speak to us about things like our faith, and because we're a pride in there, we don't want to be talked to about it. You can talk to me about my lack of faith if you want to, and I'll thank you for it, because there are things I'm still waiting for an answer for. So these verses apply to me as well. We look at Matthew 13, 58. You understand Matthew 13, 58? Now, this is when he went to his hometown. Jesus was back and said, oh, we know him. He's the carpenter's son. Yeah, yeah, he's nothing. He's just a kid that grew up making chairs and tables under his dad's supervision. We know him. And he couldn't do many miracles there, couldn't cast out any demons whatsoever. And it says in verse 58 that he was amazed. He could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And the book of Mark in chapter 6, verse 6, he reports the same time. He said he was amazed at their lack of faith. So two of the writers commenting about that situation made it clear that Jesus identified the problem as a lack of faith. It doesn't say that they were offended. It, the disciples weren't offended before. Now it doesn't say the people were offended. They may have been. doesn't say they were. There's times when Jesus offended people. He offended the Pharisees. The disciples even came one time and said, Jesus, what you said to the Pharisees, you offended them. Jesus never apologized because he was speaking the truth. He wasn't doing it purposely to offend. He was doing it because it was the truth. It had to be said. And so we need to look at another time. This is after he rose from the grave in Mark 16, verse 14. After he came back from the grave, it says there that he appeared to the disciples. This is before they had seen him. And so now he appears to them. There's 11 of them at this time. Judas, of course, is gone. And it says they, did, they, they didn't believe it was him. And it said he rebuked them. Now look at verse 14. He rebuked them. You don't do that in our culture. You don't rebuke people in the church, especially leaders would never rebuke. But Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. I, there's times when I should have been rebuked not just for my lack of faith, but because of my lack of sensitivity or whatever. But that's a different sermon about we need to sometimes rebuke people. I'm not trying to be harsh or mean. I'm talking about the fact that the churches need to be told the truth. People need to be told the truth. And sometimes there's a rebuke that needs to be spoken out. And you will say, oh, yes, it has to be in love. Exactly, it has to be in love. But it needs to be done. I'm not discrediting it. I'm just saying it needs to be done sometimes. But you see, here, they were rebuked for their lack of faith. And listen, I'm going on in that verse. And they were rebuked for their lack of faith, and they were rebuked 
for their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen Jesus, but they wouldn't believe what those people said. So Jesus is desperate here to get these disciples smart enough, guys, listen to what your other disciples are saying, listen to what creditable people are saying, and he rebuked them for that. And in the wilderness, the children of Israel back in the Old Testament, but Paul is talking about here in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 3. And Paul said to these people that, that um, are now um, learning in the, from the experiences of the, of the Israelites in the wilderness, he's saying how because of their lack of faith, he actually used that term, your lack of faith, he said, what if some did not have faith? Those in the wilderness didn't have faith. Their lack of faith, he says, did it nullify God's faithfulness? And the answer to that is, no, it did not nullify God's faithfulness. But their lack of faith caused God to delay his promises. And those who were 20 years of age and more who came out of Egypt, when they come through the sea, if they're 20 years more, they never made it to the promised land. So the promise for them was nullified because of their lack of faith. The promise to Israel was not nullified, but the promise to those people, those individuals, was because they never get in. They all died in the wilderness before those 40 years were up. The whole nation, even those less than 20 years old, suffered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their parents' refusal to believe that God said, I will bring you through. They kept questioning that and kept saying, well, we're going to die here. You see, God was trying to say to them in the wilderness, in spite of wrong circumstances, if I said I would get you through, I will get you through. They refused to believe it. And instead of taking the two or three or four years to get through the wilderness, it took them 40. And all those who come out 40, 20 years older never made it. So his faithfulness is there. He still did what he promised. Matter of fact, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, it says very clearly, all the promises he made to them, he fulfilled. He brought them out. He brought them through. He provided water. He provided food. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their enemies couldn't defeat them. They came through that. He was faithful. But their unbelief stretched it out a lot longer than it should have been. I, I want to learn from that. I want to learn. I'm going to choose to believe God, what he says in spite of the circumstances around me, in spite of what I see people doing or what I hear people saying, I will believe what God has said and his faithfulness will not have to be prolonged in my life. That's been a hard lesson for me. I want to learn it, Lord. I want to tell you how to build faith because so far I've been basically saying one of the main reasons for prayers not being answered is because of our lack of faith. 
So in Romans 10, verse 17, Romans 10, verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Now, first of all, he's not just talking about the Old Testament. I don't want to cancel that out, but it says through the word of Christ. In other words, what Jesus has said, if I listen to it and do it, that's my faith. If I hear it. Now, he had to say to them, faith comes from hearing. Because in those days, they had to go to the synagogue or they had to um, have someone that had the scrolls of, of, of what was written. And most of them did not have what Jesus has said. But they heard what Jesus said because the apostles and the prophets carried the message even in the second, third, and fourth up until the scriptures were written. And Paul was writing his letter. So as they, as they heard somebody reading those. Today we have our own manuscripts. And I guess after years of counseling over 40 years running the ministry of, of restoring people and so on, I've always been amazed at, at the response when you're counseling with someone. One of the frequent questions was, uh, actually, how much time do you spend on an average day in prayer? And how much time would you spend an average day reading, listening to the Word of God? That's generally when they drop their head and start twiddling their thumbs or playing with their fingers or checking their cell phone to see if they have a message for something. You understand? We have no faith because we haven't done basically what Paul says we have to do, listening to the Word of God to build up my faith. The Old Testament's important. It gives me a constant reminder. God's faithfulness, God's character, God is willing to help us. God is there with us. He doesn't forsake us unless we forsake Him first and prolong that forsakenness. It takes Him a long time to lift his hand of protection from us, says in Lamentations chapter 3. And so it's important that you get a hold of the fact that God wants our faith to be built up so that when we pray, we'll pray in faith. There's another way that we build up our faith. And this is so controversial, this particular thing. You understand? From the very day this first happened, 2,000 years ago, from the very day it happened, Satan has been belittling it, making fun of it, um, making it sound unnecessary, small, and unnecessary. Listen to what he says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, he says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies them. Don't turn off your television, says. Listen, please listen to me. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, means to build himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. 
Now, Paul clears that up through the book of, of Corinthians in chapter 14. Don't close it out because this thing of speaking in tongues is key along with the scriptures to building up our faith. We need it. That's why Satan, when he first heard it on the day of Pentecost, he says, I don't understand that. I don't know what they're saying. So I've got to do something to get people to turn against it. And he did. He got a whole bunch of people saying, you're all drunk. You're all crazy. Goes on today. People still think you're crazy if they know you speak in tongues. It was important to God. It was important to Satan. That's why for 2,000 years, he's been working steadily to get rid of it. And he's been very successful. Let's look at another verse in Jude 20. This is still the second basic way to build up your faith. You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, I had to use the New King James Version here. The Old King James says it the same way. New American Standard says it the same way. My New International Version does not say it. They put an and in there. It says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. But listen, I've got, I've got a lexicon. The Greek is up here. The English is below it. And there's no and in there. I checked it. It's not there. The new international people are trying to help. Oh, we need to give clarity to this. Now, I still respect that version. I'm told that the newer ones are being published by an ungodly organization. I don't know who they are. I'm just told that. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But the older ones are, are good. I have no problem with them. But just see, both those verses, 1 Corinthians 14, Jude verse 20, my faith can be built up by praying in the Spirit. Let me say that again. My faith can be built up by praying in the Spirit. What a valuable tool, what a valuable gift God has given to us. Only over the years, from 2,000 years up to now, men who are called men of God, who head up churches, preach from pulpits, have put it down and say it's not necessary anymore. The Bible says it builds up your faith. Out there they're saying, it's not necessary anymore. It's all finished. Who do you want to believe? Do you want to believe the people out there that are saying it's not necessary? Or are you going to believe what the Holy Spirit said? First of all, through Paul, and then to Jude. And so what are we going to do? I would say... You say, I'm going to do what God says. <laughs> I love hearing people say that. I bless my pastor. I bless the teachers that have spoken against it. I bless them. I break any curse that it may have brought on me, any spirit of doubt, unbelief. I break it off. I release it. I forgive those people that said it. And I choose to believe and receive the gifts that the Holy Spirit brought on the day of Pentecost, which are going to be here until the perfect one, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, is coming back to get us when he returns to return us to heaven. It's your choice. You want your faith built up? Just start doing what the Word of God says. You might say, well, Howard, I've asked for it, but I've never... Well, don't give up. 
Don't give up. Maybe you need to forgive people that taught against it. You need to forgive the people that cast a shadow over it and, and put a doubt on it and try to destroy it the whole thing. Forgive them and bless them. We're to bless those that persecute us, bless those that lie to us. We're to pray for those that despitefully use us. We're to love our enemies. Go ahead, do those things. Get rid of anything that's blocking it. It took me a while. I was raised in a, a good Christian home, but my church never taught on this. They never taught against it, which I'm thankful for, but they never taught on it. So when I first heard about it, I'm almost 30 years old now. What's the thought that comes to my mind? The thought is, can't be right. I never heard of it before. I heard Bible in the churches. I heard them at summer camp. My parents read the Bible to us. Never heard it before. And when I dealt with it, the Lord released that gift, and I'm so glad he did, because I have seen miracles as a result of the faith that God has given me because we spend time praying in tongues. Don't get locked up in the issue, oh, you can't do it in church anymore. Feel about that. Paul said, I wish you all would. He's talking about in your private life at least, everybody. He says, I want you all to. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. In the church, not everybody speaks in tongues. Not everybody prophesies. But in your personal life, Paul says, I want you all to. I wish you all would. The gifts are for all of us. It's just the tongues. It's more for private building. All the rest are to serve others. But the nine gifts of the Spirit, the one that applies to me and edifies me is the gift of tongues. So I need to go on. I need to give you one more basic principle that we need to take a hold of in our lives in order to build up our faith. And I believe that I need to go into allow this to be a second part to this teaching. You've just listened to the first part. But I want to go into it now because I believe it is one of the most violated ones in the common church today, in the regular church. I believe it is. I could be wrong, but I believe it is. It's just an attitude that we have developed, something that is, is straining us and causing the church to flounder as a whole, not just an unanswered prayer, but causing the church to flounder as a whole. Please, make it a point to watch the second part of this teaching, why prayers aren't answered. And so I'm looking at the whole possibility in my personal life of being able to open up your understanding with this teaching. It's meant not to condemn, it's meant to bring us to a place where we say, I can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna start working better because I now have a hold of this thing that has caused many of my prayers never to be answered. So I have to come back to you in part number two for the third area of the whole issue of, the, of building faith. So Father, as we wait until we listen to that third part, I pray that the first two things that we've talked about, that we would be con 
insistent on, the, on you, Lord, helping us, that we would ask the Holy Spirit for grace, that we would start to build our faith, because there's many things, Lord, you want in our lives that we don't have the faith to get. And so I want, Lord God, these people that listen to this, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, Lord, you're calling down promises on them and they're ignoring them and missing them because of their lack of faith. Too many times we say, well, I haven't, God just doesn't answer my prayers. Lord, let it be an end to that in the name of Jesus Amen. Amen. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.